Welcome, and thank you for listening to the 9-7 Podcast, where we talk about our journey from 9-7 to now. We are your hosts, Richard and Mary Robinson. Though we aren't relationship experts, we've learned a lot along the way since 9-7. And we're back. Hey, hey. First of all, I do want to thank everyone who's been listening. Um, Your feedback has been great. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you. Thanks, everyone. It's been really nice to see your comments and, um, your subscriptions and all of that jazz. So we're very grateful and keep the comments coming. We enjoy reading them. All the time. Every day. Multiple times a day. (laughs) You really read them multiple times a day? I mean, I like looking at them. Good job, babe. Mm -hmm. I can't say that I read them all the time, every day, but... When I see them, I I smile and I enjoy reading them. I mean, it's kind of novel right now, so... It is. I do check it a little um, compulsively. Mm -hmm. Exactly. it is nice to read them. Exactly. But um, today, we're talking about pursuing careers. So, the last place we left off was essentially... In our story, that is. Because last week, we talked about some other stuff, but... In our story, you mean, like, in the timeline of things? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in in the canon story, chronologically, mm-hmm. we left off where we had got married. Yep. And at this point, we lived together. Mm-hmm. And so there was a whole season in there that that we haven't talked about yet. We I think, what was the last episode? The, the Red Neon? No, that's the last one that played. The last one that we recorded. No, that's what I was asking. The last one that we played. Yeah. Was, was the Red Neon. Red Neon. So, one one of the things that... Because, uh, you know, that that was just like a... I guess a tangent. Mm-hmm. But in the, in the grand scheme, you know, the Red Neon is omnipresent in all of these stories in the background uh, going forward for a while. So, even even in this... You know, the red neon is a part of this story. Sure. Um, but basically, we, at this point in our lives, we were married. We lived together. Yes, we were living on base first. And if you remember in some of our earlier episodes, we talked about how we would take time to pause and talk about what we want in in the future. Yes. And one of those things that we talked about very early on was children and if we wanted them, how many we wanted. We even played around with names at different times. I know we were the the odd couple, so to speak, that when I was given us a project <laughs> in my sociology class in high school, and I was like, well, I'm with this guy, and we've been dating at this point. At that point, we had been dating for more than a year. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, like we said, we've been very intentional about our dating and um, what that meant for our possible future. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, since we've talked about it, why not go ahead and have him plan this project out with me? <laughs> we I named, remember that. Yeah, remember we that. named our kids and, you know, age-wise when we were going to have them and all that jazz. I still have that paper downstairs, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. And it worked out because that is mostly what their names ended up being not completely Mm -hmm. um 
but yeah and and so we had talked about kids and talked about when we wanted kids and things like that and here we are now married um living together and we actually had that conversation again Mm -hmm. we sat down and said okay when do we want to have kids right because we both found it um, necessary to one like you said sit down have the conversation about it Mm -hmm. but then two we wanted to pursue careers and and figure out what it is that we really wanted to do like do we want it you know in our early 20s to have children or do we want to wait yeah and and honestly for me too the other thing about it was um recognizing how big of a responsibility children are and i honestly just wanted this some time with you mm-hmm. you know as a as Aww, a as my wife that's so sweet oh <laughs> uh, so so even in that i mean for me that weighed into that yeah. decision of saying Let's let's not necessarily be twenty two, twenty three, and then have a child. Let's let's be enjoy each other and continue to, you know, cultivate our relationship. Yeah, but now as husband and wife, as husband and wife, where things are slightly different, mm-hmm. like like we can have bills in each other's names and right things like that. Or know. when you are getting used to, as you say said rather in one of our other episodes getting used to the way i wake up yeah which was <laughs> borderline traumatic <laughs> not that trauma borderline <laughs> it was real um so so with all that with all that being said you know now we're in a situation at this point we have that conversation we decide that we're gonna wait mm-hmm. a little while we didn't really put a you know, a pinpoint definition on how long to wait. But I know definitely the end of my enlistment was the minimal because I deployed a lot. Yes. And so I was very aware of some of the things that would happen in the way of, you know, you know, I guess what's it called? Murphy's Law or something like that, Mm -hmm. you know, and being being one that was in communications and deploying on a regular basis. I really didn't want a situation where I was deployed and I missed, you know, some pivotal moment in in the child's development, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's the first walk or first words or whatever. I just didn't want to not be a part of those memories, both for you, you know, being a part of that memory and, you know, for uh, my child at that point. So, which was interesting. I'm just just replaying because, you know, like we had stated, when we got married, we had planned a wedding in May. Mm-hmm. We ended up getting married the previous November because of orders. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, much to the chagrin of everyone around us that questioned our reasoning for getting married <laughs> early. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not because I was pregnant. Like so many people tried to allude to, oh, they got married early. They must be already pregnant. Well, that was the longest pregnancy in history because <laughs> it was obviously around eight years <laughs> yeah. yeah, before we had any children. Yeah. It's ridiculous the amount of time people put into hearsay, hearsay and trying to figure out someone else's life instead of just asking, hey, yeah, 
what's really going on, you or, know? Or why did you make this decision? Right. Yeah, and we're open enough where we would have just answered just plainly. Just answered plainly. It wouldn't have been an issue. It's just, why do you find it so important to make up something to pass along and around to others? Yeah. That is totally not true. But I digress. <laughs> so we decided to wait, and we knew at least, you know, being that we got married in the middle of my enlistment, that means it's going to be at the very least two more years. Yeah. So at that point, from a career perspective, I'm an enlisted military person, mm-hmm. um, active duty, and it's my days, my nights, and my weekends. Uh, we had started working out together. Uh, that was so fun. Yeah, and you know, going on a few mile runs and you know, a couple of miles for a run mm-hmm. on a regular basis, things like that. Just. Because that was part of my routine now. Yeah, it was something that you had to do. And since we were newly married, newly living together, I was like, well, I can work out. I'll right. work out too. Yeah. And and also because of the way you cook. <laughs> that, that southern cooking coming through was a real change from, you know, the mess hall and or bachelor life where you just eating tacos and waffles all all day yeah exactly (laughs) so you know when you coming home at 22 and your wife don't cook you know fried chicken macaroni and rolls it's like well i'm gonna eat this for three days and it's gonna sit on me for a week but you know i got pt at 4 30 in the morning you know things like that so it was it was a lot of adjustments on both on both parts but i think for you, the biggest adjustment, I think from my perspective, your adjustment was the biggest because I had been living that military life right. for two years. You, in this particular scenario, was the, the transplant from Virginia and from college. Right. Well, the one thing that I did have at the time was because I was on, I wasn't like leaving home home I was leaving college home Mm -hmm. to come to live on base Mm -hmm. so you know I I had my group of friends that I love dearly but for the most part they were all pretty much leaving and doing their own thing too so it wasn't like I was going to be missing out on something Mm -hmm. Um, it was just like a new step a yeah. new step in life. Mm-hmm. So um, but, coming to live down there wasn't... I mean, yes, it was an adjustment because I did not know anyone except the few people that I had met in coming to visit mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but majority of the people I didn't really know. I right. knew a few of the wives of your peers. Um, From when I deployed from when you had deployed, but I didn't know, I didn't know them enough to like go hang out over their house. And I'm not that type of girl any, anyway, mm-hmm. where, oh, I've just met you. I'm just going to come hang. That's not how I, that's not me. Right. Right. But I think, I think from a career perspective though, you had finished your undergrad. Yeah. I finished time. undergrad and I had taken all, you know, and, and done very well on all of the standardized tests needed to get my teaching licenses 
But did you have it when you came down to Carolina? I did not. So that's another thing that I had. Like, you know, being a teacher is one of those things that regardless of where you are, it's not a difficult find. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not hard to to get a job teaching. But in uh, North Carolina at the time, you didn't have to have your license. You had to have your degree. And then they could, you know, I had already passed what was called what's called the praxis, which is what you have to pass in order to get your license. So I had done very well on it. And Virginia at the time, I'm not sure what the criteria is now, but Virginia at the time had one of the highest, like you had to score one of the highest rates in order to qualify for your license. Mm-hmm. So I automatically qualified for the North Carolina pass rate. So um, I started out, I remember going to the um, central office for the school system that we were going to be living in. And I started out just being a teacher assistant, which I was fine with because mm-hmm. you were in the military. It's not like we had bills for real. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we lived on base. So. Yeah, we lived on base. All we had was car payment and a phone bill. But our phone, you know, back then it was like a flip phone. And it was like really, really cheap. Mm-hmm. So all we had was that. And so, you know, my teacher assistant salary and then your salary was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially by then I had made E4. Right. So that that was a big boost in in pay, right? So we and we you know health insurance and all that was completely covered, so we didn't have that to 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 think about. And so um, I started off as a teacher assistant, and then a, I think it was a little less than halfway through the year, the um, school that I worked at was in need of a special education teacher, and I wasn't certified in SPED, but. I had been working with so many of the children um, that the inclusion teacher and inclusion is when the you know students with special needs are in the normal classroom. So I've been working with so many of them anyway as a TA that the lady that took that was in that position, she took the position of the self-contained special education teacher role that was needed, but the, her contingency for taking that role was that I take her role. So mm. I was pretty honored in that way. Like, yeah. man, that's pretty cool that you only take this if I can take your spot. And so then I was bumped up to regular teacher salary because I had my degree. I just didn't have the license yet, but they have like a program where you can get it. We left before I finished that, but... <laughs> but you were going through it. But you, yeah, because it was basically, you know, you start teaching TA or whatever... And then you just have to fill out all this paperwork. And I was filling it out, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like forefront of my mind to, to get done. And they weren't pressuring me to do it because I had already told them that I would only really be there a year before you were going to yeah. be finishing, getting out. Finishing my enlistment. So. Which, which was something else we talked about, too, as a military family. Mm-hmm. We, you know, from a career perspective, that was another one of those considerations that we did have to discuss, mm-hmm. which was. Are you going to re-enlist? Right. Um, if you re-enlist, what are going to be, you know, the, the fabled wish list of duty stations mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So we did talk about it and weigh the pros and cons, but I was pretty set on four and done. And, right. And kind of moving into that ready reserve role. And after that four being completely 
completely free on on the on my contractual duties mm-hmm. um so i mean we played around with scenarios like oh if i re-enlist would you want to do three years in, in japan yeah, in if i re-enlist would you want to do two years in another state and i mean we played around with it quite a bit but the looming factor was deployment and that yeah. was something that you really just didn't want to do yeah again because we, we want and it's kids. storming outside yeah it is it's fine it'll last like five minutes anyway <laughs> so you know we we really talked about it and it was and it was a, a decent conversation but i was pretty set at that point yeah and um you were pretty supportive of that and i think that helped you know frame for you from a career perspective well i'm not gonna be here but x Right. amount of time because once we had come to a decision we pretty much stuck to it mm-hmm. stick to our guns so. even though they really tried to get you to stay oh yeah yeah i they mean really... so many of them were like pulling me to the side talking about you sure you don't want him to stay in like <laughs> he's made his decision and yeah. they're talking to you oh you don't want to go to ocs or yeah. is that what it's called yeah officer is something officer Afri- school yeah it's called. yeah because they were trying to they were trying to get me to be a like a mustanger or whatever and go chief warrant officer route yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they really tried to push that for you. Mm-hmm. Your lieutenant and everything tried to push you to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, we made made the decision, and we were pretty. We know we were very set on what we were going to do. So then, when you did get out, and I had, you know, finished my year, and it was a very successful teaching year, I must say. Yeah, it was really good first yeah. year even though it was kind of like a half a year but you know that first half of you know that first year teaching was really nice it was a it was a success yeah it was me. it was um even through that big hurricane that they had remember that mm-hmm. it's a yeah. really bad hurricane was that hugo i can't recall but i just remember like so many of our teaching staff was were severely hit by it and we were out for about two weeks and I, it was that really bad one but i think was it was isabel i think it was isabel because in in virginia back home they didn't have power for like almost a month yeah i remember and that. we only lost it for like a night because we were on base yeah but the surrounding area they was had. really badly hit i mm-hmm. remember one of our teachers homes was flooded like a foot from their ceiling it was so bad mm. but um i digress again back to um the next thing you know when you finally did get out and then came the next big decision which was like where do we go <laughs> yeah um yeah and one of the guiding principles for that decision that we ended up making was that when I finished my degree, my um, undergrad at ODU, um, part of the program that I was in, it was kind of like a bachelor's, master's track. And so I wanted to go back and finish my master's degree because I was only like six classes away because I had done a couple of the master's level classes in my undergrad. And like I said, most people just go straight five, I think it was five and a half years and finish it all. Mm -hmm. And so, but when we got married, I took a break 
Mm-hmm. Then I that's when I taught that year in North Carolina and came back and I finished it up that next year while teaching as a true first year with my own classroom teacher. Mm-hmm. Man, it's, Man, it's raining it's, so hard. It's pouring down out there. Yeah. And then, so you did that for your master's degree. Yes. So we decided... Um, when you got out, we decided we were going to find a place in Norfolk to live. And then I had a friend that worked at the elementary school that I ended up working at for eight years. She was already teaching there. And I met, you know, hooked up with her, met the principal. So I kind of had the inside track on an automatic teaching position and Norfolk and Norfolk Public Schools and ODU had like a partnership at the time so where I could do my student teaching while I was teaching full time Mm -hmm. and so we kind of did that and so I taught my first year and was in my master's degree program at the same time yeah yeah. Which was kind of tough. And yeah. I, I do have a, a memory of one. Of, I don't remember what class it was, but majority of the people that were in the master's degree program and we were taking a class that started at 530 or something like that. And he, our professor, looked out at us and we were all like just completely drained. It was like maybe had to be sometime September, October, into September, October. And he looked out at us, and we were all, like, just zombie-like in the classroom. And he just looked at us and said, okay, you guys, you need rest. Y'all just go home. (laughs) (laughs) And he let us go. (laughs) Because we all just looked spent. Like, we are exhausted. This is tiring. But um, he only did that once, but it was nice that he did that. Now, for me, on the other side of that spectrum, while you're in school and student teaching, Student teaching slash full-time teacher. Slash student slash (laughs) wife. Um, On the other side of that, I was basically participating in a social experiment of some kind (laughs) to understand, you know, how much having the military as your, you know, essentially I came out of high school and went into the military. So my last four years job history is military right and it was really interesting to go to virginia which is you know has a lot of military Mm -hmm. installations and things Mm -hmm. like that um so i'm not gonna hold this against against the state you know but Mm -hmm. it was really interesting to go back and see how much that military experience translated into the corporate world and and how that worked out so it was a lot of late nights of resume writing and um you know looking for different positions that fits you know even some resemblance of the military skill sets that i had you know the skill sets that i had attained while in the military things Mm -hmm. like that and you know in hindsight i really see how it's tough on vets yeah you know coming out trying to understand how what you did in the military match up to a civilian job yeah what what does it translate to what what does what does what I just did for four years mean in 
the civilian world. Right, right. And and even and even a little deeper than that too, because you know, for someone like me, there is there is a such of uh, a mind shift because the military is so organized mm-hmm. and civilian life isn't. Yeah. So it's getting used to that too, you know, where you know, when people, you know, essentially give you the nonverbal high five when you show up ten minutes early for something or Right. You know, different things like that. So it was it was a real interesting and very very trying time for me and um i did a lot of jobs at that time you so, did. so i went i had done everything from i think at one point when i first got out i was um where was i working when i first got out the very first place <laughs> you did that we i mean we were old school peeling through the classifieds and job opportunity sections of the newspaper and we found that one job selling oh painting artwork or yeah. something it the was worst. the worst so, i think you did that two days yeah so i'm <laughs> i'm in southeastern virginia and i gotta drive further south to go to this place for the interview and then the guy's like yeah we sell these paintings and i'm thinking like oh this is gonna be awesome because you know I like art. I draw a little bit on the side for fun and things like that. I know a couple of artists by name mm-hmm. and by their work and stuff. So I was like, this is going to be interesting, right? And it was this super relaxed atmosphere. And then they were like, yeah, so you seem cool, man. Get in the car. Let's go. And then we drive from, you know, Norfolk, Chesapeake area, clear to Williamsburg. And we get to Williamsburg. And I was like, oh, this is about to be fresh. You know, we're in Williamsburg. We're about to find this uh you know this gallery this somewhere. gallery or this little showroom you know and sometimes they be holding the walls and stuff like that so you never you never really judge it you know and having grown up in this area it won't like i didn't know where i was at mm-hmm. you know so i'm right off you know ironbound road or whatever mm-hmm. and uh we pull up in this strip mall <laughs> and i'm looking for the art gallery i'm looking for the building i'm looking for the sign you know and this this is interview from what I understood. I thought I was still on the interview mm-hmm. or whatever. And uh my God now now mind you the the other problem that we had was we were basically in a Ford Escort. Yeah. With all these paintings. <laughs> so I was like, we either go into a gallery or or a warehouse, right? Where they store all right. this stuff. Man, we get to this little strip mall. He he goes to this, you know, back of the parking lot, you know, far away from the building or whatever. He parks, he gets out, and then he starts taking the paintings out. Now, I'm confused because I'm like, I've been over here in this <laughs> strip mall dozens of times throughout high school. And I'm like, I still don't see this gallery. And then when he leaned these paintings up <laughs> against the car, car. <laughs> and somebody comes out the, the marshals or whatever, and he was like, got these paintings. I was like, oh <laughs> no nope nope he didn't nope nope you're the resident mixtape dude nope <laughs> nope not doing it i'm not doing it i sat on the side of that car because he was trying to get his money so i won't go on and you know and and this fed into why i like to drive everywhere i go and yeah. all this kind of stuff and we was just hanging out and then lunchtime he was like man you know you got the gift of gab, this, that, and the third. You should try to move some paintings or whatever. And I was like, 
nah, bro, I don't think this going to be for me. He was like, well, you know, this is not how every day is. Let's see what happens tomorrow. <laughs> I got home. Remember I told you? Yeah. I was like, I ain't going back. I ain't call them. I ain't text them. They did send you your check, though. They did. Mm -hmm. They did for my one day of work. Your one day of work. I was like, I ain't going back. Because I was like, this is this is the worst. I, that was like the worst job. Because I was just like, so so I'm already, you know, post-military. And then you're going to put me in a hustle man situation. And right. I was like, this is just, this is not and You go me. from a super structured, super organized you know, direct path to promotion yeah. type job to you on side of the road selling paintings off of a Ford Escort. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, nah, man, you can't, I can't go out like this. So I was like, nah, so back to the drawing board. I think after that, and meanwhile now, while all of this is happening, you're in school, yeah, full-time teaching. I'm teaching. Master's degree. And that's one of the things that I am very, like, proud of how we function too is you know the the constant support yeah and there's never a question of well you did this so you got to do that like it's never any type of way yeah negative to feel about it like you know when i was in school you were very supportive you helped me buy books you you know made sure i had gas money and a car and all that jazz and then you know now I'm working, you're out, out of the military. Now, you know, insurance, you know, you're on my insurance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm bringing home the bacon, so mm -hmm. to speak. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's it, it never was a, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, tick for tat or yeah, never back and forth for about it. Never a um, puffing up of the shoulders back yeah. and forth. Like it was never any of that. It was mm -hmm. just we are us yeah and we're gonna make this thing work yeah and right now i'm supporting you while you're looking you know for your career beyond the military mm -hmm. you know and, and so and really trying to figure it out because in the military being a technician in communications you know being a communications guy you know you come out and you look for the the jobs at Verizon and things yeah. like that. Because shortly after that, oh yeah, I yeah. had to I had the job with um, the contractor yeah, from Cox. The contractor for Cox yep. Cable. I forgot yep. about that one. I'll never forget that job. And I worked that job for a while. Yeah, you know, but you know, cable installer, not easy on the knees. No, you know what I'm saying. So going up under people's houses, under dealing people. with their pets. Yeah, under <laughs> houses. Look, in some cases, in their house. Yeah, you know, I remember there's a couple of houses I went in. I was like. This a this a bad situation right here being in this house because I don't know if these people don't care or they don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it was it was situations like that, and you know, day in and day out. Like, I had to buy a jumpsuit, I had a truck, I had to buy my own tools. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then every day, you know, this was before GPS was cheap, so I got a map driving around. You know. Yeah. Trying to find these people houses in these cul-de-sacs or in these neighborhoods. Yeah, or those twisty turning roads of Norfolk. <laughs> Suffolk and <laughs> Chesapeake, you know. And, you know, dealing with all of the normal day-to-day -day stuff that that entails. You know, you got to be at a job, you know, by a certain time. Right. You got to do a certain amount of work or, you know, that job don't make you as much money as other jobs. So, right. You know, it was a high-stress, high-movement situation you know on on that job you know i mean 
some of the people that trained me for that. I was gonna say some of your trainers though. You 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 came home with some funny stories. Yeah, yeah, I know. Fried forget. chicken in different places of the city. Yeah, look, look, <laughs> my guy Dave David, he gave me the best view of the city. The two weeks of training I got with him, where well, we drove around and we went to the different places, and he knew every person at every gas station <laughs> in all seven cities. He tell you what gas station to get food from, yeah. which ones to stay away Way from. from. <laughs> he said, man, if you eat over there, you're going to get food poisoning, but this place got the best hot dogs. This place, if you care, they got the all-beef hot dogs, but they got the, the chicken or blended hot dogs. Like He just knew everything. He's like, if you like sushi... You got to wait till you get a job on this side of town and you can get sushi. And I was like, gas station sushi? That's like a that. thing. Look, he had all the tricks. He knew stuff that he would go in there. I remember we stopped at one gas station and he went in there and he asked for something and they went in the back and made it. And I was like, you just, you just know these people like this? And he was like, yeah, man, I just, this is what I do. But he had been doing it a long time, but right. he gave me, he gave me shortcuts, mm-hmm. you know, tips and tricks like that. I mean. Some of that stuff I used uh, at at our house, you know, when we was doing some cable stuff, and uh, I remember, I remember the crazy thing was, well, after that, when we bought our first home, and we were there, getting the cable TV installed, one of the guys that came to the house had trained with me mm-hmm. when I was at at that contractor, but he had moved on and actually had a position with with the Cox, company. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, he came in there, and I was like, man, I ain't seen you in I don't know how long. And it was just like old times, and he was just going through the new tool sets and stuff that he had. It was it was really, it was really interesting because it reminded me of that kind of military camaraderie. It just didn't pay that great. Right. Because I remember having those conversations, too, with you where it's like, all right, this is the job I'm going to take. This is how much it pay. But to maximize what I can earn. I'm going to just stay on your insurance. Yeah. Because you had the better insurance. Mm-hmm. I remember us having those conversations, you know, when the quote unquote benefits package come in, you looking at it and right. it's like, oh, our copay is going to change to this or that right. if we switch. So, you know, that's when we would make those decisions mm-hmm. too. And then, you know, after that, again, while all of this is happening. I'm about to say, meanwhile, I'm still, still plugging te- along. Still teaching. Teaching my babies. Yep. My little fourth grade class. Yep. And getting the master's degree. I think it was room 29 at that point. Yep, room 29. Mm-hmm. My little fourth grade babies. And I'm working on my master's degree. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You yeah. know, just that consistent thread. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going in every day. I'm coming home. Going in, coming home, staying up late, grading papers. Yeah, you know. I remember helping doing that, helping yeah. to grade papers sometimes and things like that. But it was it was a grind. I can't. I would I would be lying if I said that sometime my man pride didn't well up and I didn't feel stressed a little bit about about the situation. Yeah. But you know, because you had that support, it it was the thing that kept me looking for the right path mm-hmm. and so that led to me working at the sheriff's department for a while i think before that you were at that vacuum company oh yeah 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 tidewater so vac yeah yeah that was an int- that was another interesting one because that was one of those ones where they were like we're military and veteran friendly mm-hmm. and you come in here and you manage a store things like that yeah and, you were like a store manager yeah, yeah but i was the 
um, drop-in store manager. Right. Because since each employee kind of ran their own store or some, some weird model like that, I don't remember exactly. But um, because of that, when they needed to take time off, they needed, they needed someone to come fill in. Right. And that essentially was my job. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the replacement guy coming off the bench. But it was always somebody taking off because it was very few days that they yeah, that yeah. you weren't going to work. Yeah. The, the hard part of that job, though, was, you know, the travel because they were in yes. so many places. They right. had so many locations. And we lived in Norfolk. Right. And, and they, you could be in Gloucester, Gloucester or yeah. Hampton or... What was the other one? Chesapeake. Yep. And they had one in weird in some weird spot in Williamsburg, Williamsburg. that I had never been to mm-hmm. before. So it was that one that one was really interesting and and but, you know, kinda like the military, I excelled, you know, where where people would say, you know, I had customers, you know, especially if it was a place I went to more than once, that they say, Man, I, I prefer when you hear over the regular person and you know, I didn't slack because I was the standing guy. So I had some really big sales, you know, that came through. I had a whole, you know, remember the one lady? She the came older in. lady? Yeah. The, mm-hmm. So basically, this old lady came in, and she was like, the guy sold me a vacuum, and the belt broke. And I was just like, this little old lady, she was like, I bought the vacuum yesterday. And, you know, most of the time, you know how most people be like, that's a, a sad story or a sucker story, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this little old lady don't bought this vacuum. If the belt really broke, you know what? I'm going to take her on her word. And, you know, we have a certain amount of product and, you know, leeway you can deal with in, in retail. It's a common thing. So I gave the lady a $4 belt, right? I put the belt on her little vacuum. She went on about her way. You know, not a couple of hours later, her daughter comes back and she's like, oh, you know, because the because she was a little more energetic, I'll say, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Oh, uh, you know, I just talked to my mom. She said you gave her this belt, X, Y, and Z. Thank you so much." Because the other guy, you know, he was giving her a hard time about it because the vacuum, she had just bought the vacuum, X, Y, and Z, and she was like, "But you know, I run my own janitorial service." And, you know, essentially because you were so kind to my mother, you know, I'm going to take your recommendation to buy 27 vacuums. Yeah, I remember that. You know. And they bought them all from your store that day. Yep. No matter. She was like, just purely on your recommendation. I needed to do these three things. You know, which which machine in the store do you recommend? Whichever one that is, I need 27 of them. And it turned out to be the biggest single sale in the history of the company Mm -hmm. nobody else had sold that many vacuums in one day you know so it was interesting and again you know i try to take everything with a grain of salt because i learned a lot you know i use some of the um repair techniques that they taught me there Mm -hmm. on some of our vacuums here to make them last a little bit longer things like that so that worked out too and then again meanwhile you're still grinding you're still pushing you're still moving and then it was the sheriff's office, which was a whole nother situation and probably another side story to go into some other time about how that went. But, you know, just being at the sheriff's office and never actually going to their their training camp, mm-hmm. but just being stuck in that kind of limbo land. Yeah, that kind of recruit phase 
which was again another throwback to the military right. being a recruit except for i'm actually working at the county jail and things like that so that was that was real interesting but through that is when i decided to go back to college right and that's when we had another discussion yep right about what is it going to take for us to go for me to go back when should i start you know the enrollment process mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff where to go all of that yeah where to go how do i initiate my gi bill mm-hmm. um all that kind of good stuff and what was really amazing was by the time we got to that point you were wrapping up your master's degree well by the time we got to that point oh if my memory serves me correctly i pro i think i already finished my master's degree mm-hmm um, because again, I was like really close anyway. Right. So when we first came back, I started in the fall. Yeah, I was, I was already finishing up because I, um, I finished with that in May of 05. Right. So, um, I think it was, I think you might've been at SOVAC. When you finished. When I finished, but I, I can't remember exactly. Yeah. But, um, I had finally gotten gotten those papers which then right at that moment gave us another boost in income. income yep because i finished the degree which meant they couldn't pay me bachelor's level pay anymore they had to bump me up to master's level and then in addition to that because i was highly successful and knew what i was doing essentially yeah, yeah. I also got the bump in pay for being for the next year to be grade level chairperson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So and you got nominated for teacher of the year. Yeah, that first year I did, but then I think it was one of those things where they were like, "You haven't been teaching long enough," so <laughs> they kind of like took it but, away. But, but still, you were nominated, yeah. so that just shows you excelling at what you yeah. what you were doing, and and so then with me deciding to go back to school. It still is is an interesting thing because it still keeps you in that breadwinner seat, mm-hmm. you know, in the way of, all right, now I'm going to go back to school. And what we had talked about was because I'm going back to school, I should go full time. Right. Which was a really interesting um, thing to do right at the time to say, no, you go to school now and you go full time and and I'm doing undergraduate because right. up to this point, I'm just a high school graduate with four years of military experience right so so then we make that decision and now and then uh, that brings up some other really impending questions that we have to address because without any additional income if nobody knows this teachers don't make gajillions of dollars <laughs> and it's Get very out. i know right and it's very difficult to maintain one person on just a teacher's salary to the point where quite a few of my single teacher friends have second jobs because they and they're single and they're single no children Mm -hmm. um but because they can't really maintain like a lifestyle Mm -hmm. on just a teacher's salary majority of them have second jobs so um i guess next week we'll yeah continue on all right well thanks everyone thanks for listening guys we hope you've enjoyed it don't forget to subscribe like and comment all right have a good one bye